Well, hello, friends. Uh, I am thrilled and honored to be joined by uh, a man who's had a profound impact on my uh, perception of, of the gospel of Jesus and my following of Jesus. And so it's a, it's a joy to introduce Mako Fujimura, who is an artist, an author, a thinker, and uh, it's just such an honor to have you uh, here. Uh, I'm going to ask Mako as just a way of introduction, not so I can get out of the way, just a little bit about what he's been working on lately, and then to uh, describe a little bit of his artwork. So Mako, hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Ian. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, it's uh, great to uh, meet you finally. I, I've heard about your church effort for some time. Um, now from my assistant, Addison, uh, and she's now in Texas, but uh, I'm glad to be connected. And um, yeah, so I used to have two studios here in Pasadena and uh, he, uh, Princeton and Pasadena. And um, I had to close my Pasadena studio because I, I'm not able to get there. Um, and my, my time, uh, I was uh, working for a seminary for a while. So my, uh, that term expired as well. So I, I came back and I've been uh, sequestered here in uh, Princeton area. And um, I'm, I'm happily <laughs> sequestered as an artist. I, um, I, um, it, it didn't take me too long to get very used to, uh, being alone here with my bride, Hejin, and, uh, and, uh, focusing on my work. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, uh, so I, I think we saw that you've started the culture care, uh, is the culture care collective? Is that, is that well, correct? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it actually. Uh, it, it's multiple entities surrounding the term culture care uh, and international arts movement began in early 90s so it's, it's been a long time since <laughs> we began this launch this effort uh, to connect art and faith in in the marketplace and we've been at it in various incarnations of this now it's called i am culture care and um if you go to iamculturecare.com, you see uh, newsletters and such um, that we still produce. And it is a collective um, of artists all over the world connecting usually around the issues of faith and art. But uh, more recently, I think it's become more evident that the world of faith has gone outside the walls of the church, um, uh, specifically in, in terms of art and cinema and even literature. Uh, there are may, many people who may not identify themselves as uh, a Christian, but nevertheless is a very significant uh, spiritual uh, signature uh, in their works and, and are cognizant of that. Um, and so we've been tracing and uh, hopefully encouraging uh, those types of works to be made alive um, and and to um, also connect and mm -hmm. and digital universe now with social media and and so forth has increased that uh, sense and and the pandemic um, with zoom and you know, everything that we're so used to now, but we, we weren't even, you know, um, we weren't even sure if yeah. 
this would work, uh, having Zoom meetings in churches, worship services, to you know, having even Zoom meetings uh, across uh, across the United States and beyond is is um, now a norm. But you know, a year ago that was that was a question mark. So so a lot has changed, and and we're uh, continuing to connect with uh, artists and uh, makers around the world. That's really beautiful. And uh, I, I did, we talked a little bit about this before, but I did want you to just, uh, you know, in, in the best way that you can, because I, I, as I've come to encounter your work, it is such an immersive work. And, and you even talk about it as an ecosystem, which I think is so yes. beautiful. But talking yeah. about your artwork um, and just the, the best way you can, just as a, such a oh. surface level introduction to that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I was, I, I grew up, um, both in the U.S. and Japan. I was born in Boston, but um, spent considerable amount of time uh, of my childhood in Kamakura, Japan, which is a beautiful historic uh, town. And, and I think my aesthetic was formed very early on. Um, and I, I've always felt that I was called into the arts. I, I would even use that term even though I was not a follower of Christ at the time, I, I understood the spirituality, uh, the, the immense um, sense of something flowing through me when I painted that we couldn't account for in um, other than religious language. So I, I you know, look to, um, both validate and amplify that experience. And I ended up back in Japan after my undergraduate uh, studies at Bucknell University. I got a national scholarship to study in Japan, the art of Nihonga, which is Japanese style paintings, uh, harkens back to eighth century, uh, but really refined in 16th century. And uh, there's a lineage program at Tokyo University of Fine Arts that I was privileged to be invited into, spent six and a half years mastering this technique of Nihonga using pulverized minerals and gold and silver, paper, silk, uh, sumi ink, calligraphy ink, and, and so forth. That goes back to 16th century Japan. Uh, the materials I use today, even in these monumental paintings that sits behind me, um, uh, done with um, really traditional materials mixed with space age uh, technique. And um, I am showcasing one of these paintings uh, locally here in Mopath Contemporary Gallery in Hopewell uh, in May. And I'm excited about that. First time I've shown in this area, uh, but the pandemic I think changed a lot of what we do as an artist and relationship to galleries. and. I felt like right now is a great time to be focused on local things. So you you have you see uh, in in this exhibit um, works done with very traditional means paintings, small paintings mostly, um, but paintings that are done with materials that has been used since the 16th century, but considered to be in contemporary uh, art world. Uh, so I, I don't fit a neat category there, but um, I, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to work um, connecting those dots. 
it's I mean, if you're not watching on the video i just want to say there there's <laughs> two stunning pieces behind him right now that are just it, it is I've, I've i've turned the self view off and i'm looking you in the eye but i do my eyes keep uh are, keep getting drawn to what's behind you as well it's really really incredible um and having seen some of your work up close like i know that that only there's only more there um, so you describe um even your experience with place, you describe your experience, uh, you know, as an artist, uh, as a Christian artist, how have you found life, um, you know, even like worship and church during the pandemic? What's that experience been like for you? The pandemic has been obviously difficult, sobering, painful uh, time. Um, and yet I found myself thinking a lot about the key components of what makes art endure. And, and I, as I reflected on that, um, you know, now I'm convinced that all of enduring art has connection with some kind of trauma, uh, whether it be personal or um, public. And so, you know, I used to write about this in terms of Hemingway experiencing the war and coming up with those short, terse um, expressions um, that he's known for, or J.D. Salinger writing The Catcher in the Rye, severely traumatized by the war and not being able to find find uh, his voice. Uh, and um, he went back to write a story that identified with his earlier writings that clicked and and somehow, you know, the, he, he could write again um, and writing became a form of healing as, as was Gerald Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, uh, we wouldn't have, you know, Provinci children escaping to Narnia if it wasn't for the Blitz and experience of the war directly that Lewis um, suffered uh, from. I'm writing an essay on T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets right now, um, which is directly uh, in a response um, to find healing from trauma. Uh, as he, uh, he he experienced in London during the Blitz as well. And you go back to Dante, you go back to Shakespeare, uh, Frangelico uh, painting during the Black Plague. Um, you know, all these people who we now see as the pinnacle of our civilization painted in some of the bleakest of times. <laughs> and. Mm -hmm or written um, and and so you know Shakespearean theater was built outside of London because of the Black Plague and um, you know if the theater was constructed so that the class would be separated obviously but but also it was a method to limit the exposure and Romeo and Juliet was written to play off one class mm -hmm. against the other and uh, Romeo didn't know about you know Juliet's feigned death because the 
messenger was quarantined. <laughs> so all these things I'm, I'm reading and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I didn't see this before. Um, the pandemic has brought on so, so much awareness of, of the past, uh, certainly of the present. And, and I think uh, it can define our future in some way as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think about all that you're saying, and like you, you write about Vincent Van Gogh, you know, another mm -hmm. You know, and really his experience with the church specifically and, you know, how that was always a contentious and, and it does seem like so often these stories end in tragedy, you know, that there's this great beauty that's produced out of trauma and then it moves towards, you know, some sort of uh, breakdown or, you know, even suicide in some some instances. And you know, I wonder how you, know, you write beautifully in your work about artists as border stalkers yeah. and how churches because of our, our, you know, I'll speak broadly, but because there's this temptation to try to grab the reins on things and have mm -hmm. kind of molds that we push people into, we churches generally struggle with artists. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and I wonder if you could speak to your experience with that. Like what, right. what are some, even some best practices, which I know probably is like fitting right in line with what I've been saying is part of the problem, but how, how can we begin to foster where there is true healing and there's still that voice that is honored there? How have you seen that uh, approached in ways? Yeah, and I, this is part of my reflections uh, of my new book, Art and Faith and Theology of Making, comes out of that experience, really, because, you know, when I became a follower of Christ after describing uh, the, discovering Christ's voice through poems by William Blake um, that's amazing it, it is amazing and and I connected that early childhood experience of feeling something rushed through me and and I realized that voice of Christ matched what I was experiencing and that mm -hmm. that was a so I, I call my conversion inversion because it it literally turned me inside out and when when I began the journey with Christ, I realized, and you know, you read the Bible and you realize that the God of the Bible is an artist. Um, the first thing you know about God is that God created the world without needing to, you know. And here I'm an artist, you know, I have all sorts of needs and I, I respond to my needs by creating. But but really original creativity is not you know this dependency but but it is it is all sufficient god creating something out of nothing um uh without needing to do so and uh, so god doesn't need us god doesn't need the, the creation god doesn't really need the church and yet because god is love god created and out of that gesture of ex extravagant gesture here we are. And yet we, uh, as the church, have done a horrible job of representing this artist. Um, mm -hmm. We have mechanized, industrialized, we have made it into a spectacle, we have made it into uh, some kind of a debate, argument um, against something, we have made it into a model of culture wars. Um, and, and the world is like, why should I be involved in that? You know, I, I, I have enough <laughs> conflicts in yeah. my life. I, I go, you know, go into another place where they're, you know, obviously, and, and that's one of the great discoveries that we made um, after 9-11 as part of a Redeemer movement. You know, I was part of a church planting team, but 
this this was very evident. People came to church, flocked to churches after 9-11 and realized that the churches inside the churches were just as fractured, just as you know, dissolute as as the world, and even more so. And so they didn't come back, you know. And, yeah. and so, you know, here here I am as an artist, right? I'm sitting at Redeemer. Uh, uh, Hunter College balcony in the back, in the way back, wearing black, and I'm an elder. I'm an elder of the church, and I don't <laughs> feel like I fit into the culture mm. of the church, right? And there are all sorts of artists around me. Uh, you know, there are also theologians like Golden Fee was sitting next to me several times because, you know, Maria, um, his daughter, is, is an artist. And, and all mm -hmm. of us felt exiled on the main main um, drama that was going on mm. and yet we are leaders we are deacons we're you know and and so there's this severe gap culturally between what's happening um uh, you know what we're trying to present and and certainly it's it's not a place where i i felt comfortable bringing my friends who are artists or you know introducing someone who was not a believer um even though tim is as good as you're gonna get in terms yeah. of reaching and to to the non-believers uh, mm -hmm. but culturally there was this reality to it and and undeniable uh, to me and part of writing theology of making book was was to acknowledge that gap and and at the same time say that uh, you know listen i i used to think that i read the bible as a created book because of this god who created the world and continues to create despite our fallenness and despite the fractures and he sent Jesus to die for us and Jesus resurrected in power and then Pentecost came so we can all communicate and 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 then you know the ascension and, and beyond um, and in new creation but our preaching doesn't reflect that oftentimes it, it's all about fixing the world what I call plumbing theology you know make, mm -hmm. making as if the church is the answer to the problems of the world yeah, the church is not necessarily the answer. Church is the body of Christ that's providing um, uh, the voice of God into the world. And that's the answer. You know, it's not mm. like we make ourselves to prove how how necessary we are when when God from the beginning knew that we we are not needed for the project of God. And yet we are invited to dance with this this creator. Uh, into a new creation. And in fact, so much so that God made the, you know, the structure of how this is done, the project of God, as N.T. Wright puts it, is, 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 you know, is through a banquet <laughs> rather than, you know, through a church program. And, and therefore, what we are invited into is a kind of co-creation that 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 just blows our minds when we think about it because it's it is not you know we we first of all we don't deserve to be even invited and yet we are invited and when we're invited the king says uh, let's dance <laughs> you know let's and, and i'm gonna ask you to lead i'm gonna ask you to begin that hard work of creating something beautiful good and true and through that effort 
and and as I said, art is always connected with trauma of some kind. So through your brokenness, right, and um, that you know, and through Christ's woundedness, we are healed. And through that healing, we can create a, a, out of our own woundedness and and turn something that is bleak and 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 desperate as the pandemic itself into something that is new that that you know sings resonates with the voice of creation the song of creation that is sang over us i mean that's 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 just amazing um you know paradoxical kind of flip but upside down world that um, you know, I, I'm just so amazed by, and and uh, artists gets to see this front seat, uh, you know, because we're making, and and then God, the artist, reveals certain things through God's Spirit, something about this creative process that that the church should be entering into, and and so that's that's part of what I uh, write about. <laughs> yeah. You do. And, and uh, you said so much there. That's so good. I, I want to go back to the plumbing theology. because yes, I think yes. this is a, you know, I think you described this so well. And the, the question that you asked that is so powerful is what are the pipes for? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that that, you know, beginning to think about, you know, because we just started a church. So we're a church plant. And the first question, you know, that people with Christian cultural background ask is like, okay, what's your, what's your vision? What's your mission? Yes, yes. And, and, and the sort of zeitgeist is always like, well, we want to fix this problem or we want to yes. fix this thing. Right. And, and what you're describing is altogether something different. Yes. It's starting from the end in many ways. Yeah. It's yeah. saying that we are the new creation. You know, we are Christ's masterpiece, Ephesians 2. Yeah. You know, like that's right. who we are. And we're yeah. going to live out of that reality. And, and yeah. what you describe in this sense of abundance. And I, I want to just, how do we begin? Because one of the things I love about your writing is there's an integrative quality to it. You're an artist. Yeah. But the way you see the scriptures is, is exactly, you know, sort of self-informing. Yes. And so how do we begin, you know, we talk about mercy and justice and beauty and preaching the gospel. Like, how do we begin to live out of this abundance as a people um, that's not discounting, like the, the pipes are there for a reason, yeah. but often those are given primary significance when perhaps they're of secondary nature. Yeah. There's something far more primary going on. So mm. just in your experience, like, how do we begin to cultivate that kind of life? together what what would that look like yeah so so first first of all there's nothing wrong with plumbing uh we need good plumbers yeah, it's good so, it's a, um, amen yeah so you know i i've heard from several plumbers after writing this book and they were <laughs> and i was like i'm so sorry and and they were like no 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 it's it, it was it was really liberating because you know i i'm a third generation plumber and I want to be a Kintsugi plumber, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my father told me that the important thing is not just fixing the pipes, but to pray for the people mm. that I'm working for and and to wow. bless them in some way, you know. And and, and it was it was amazing. But um, they, so fixing is not you know not necessarily wrong. It's just incomplete in terms of the gospel. And when we um, don't talk about what is going through the pipes when, when we don't talk about uh, the blood of Christ going through the pipes to heal the nations, the, the water, the spirit going through the pipes to empower the community to be a true community, authentic community. 
or we don't talk about the, the, the line of new creation flowing backwards through the pipes to feed us now, to you know give us uh, a sense of the new now in, in our making. And um, you know we 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 uh, we're not able to enjoy that banquet um, and and to convey that to a dying world that there's something better than fighting culture wars or the fighting fight, you know fighting for your lives, thinking that there's there's only you know zero sum game and scarcity mindset. Um, you know that Darwinian game that we mm -hmm. we all think we have to play just to survive. Uh, yes, those are unfortunate reality of the fall, but, but, you know, we Christians have a distinct advantage in being able to hear the voice of Christ speak to us that invoke creation and, and, and point us to the new creation. And, and every setback is an opportunity to see that as a, as a way in to the upside down kingdom um, that, you know, we're invited to. Um, so I, find myself thinking about, you know, how, uh, as you asked, uh, how do you connect, for, for instance, beauty and justice? You know, my my bride, Hejun, is the founder of Embers International, working with IJM to end human trafficking in our, in our lifetime. And, and so we talk about connection between beauty and justice, mercy being the bridge um, between the two um, all the time. And those are not disparate, you know, the separate actions. They are they are one and the same. And when she, her organization is able to help rescue children from India slums and uh, red light districts, and 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 the and the girl goes to private school that we raise funds so that they can be educated. Um, you know, it's not enough to liberate them from the scourge of enslavement, but it's until the, when that girl sees herself as beautiful that the new creation begins. And so in, the, in that sense, you know, we tend to have like focused studies on, on the issues of the world and, and have, you know, outlined uh, various ways. Uh, if you if you look back in the history of even church planting in the past 20 years, you're going to mm -hmm. see these things pop up. You know, what is the major issue that we're dealing with today? <laughs> and to kind of come and go, you know, they, they're yeah. not, not necessarily enduring. But yeah. as you say, it's like a marketing uh, way of convincing people, you know, in the transactional way, almost uh, come to our church because we're doing really serious work and, and so forth. Yeah. And, you know, those, those, those are like um, built into us, right? It's not like, yeah. I mean, I do it, everybody does it, built into us as a way <laughs> that we survive the industrial reality, a post-industrial reality of, you know, social media. Um, but, but the church is a body. The church is um, a, a body of Christ that is made beautiful and is fruitful. Uh, we are the body that, if we are truly the uh, body of Christ, we are the body that produces fruits. And, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. Fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, yeah. you know, goodness, yeah. faithfulness, and self-control. And, and I just wonder you know, if we are 
doing things backwards. Uh, in other words, we are making omelets by reading the recipes and trying to, you know, figure out from the recipes, or maybe sometimes arguing over the recipes, how it should be done. <laughs> when we really should be tasting the omelet first and see who makes good omelets mm -hmm. and then work backwards to see if the recipe will be, you know, fit the, the, the omelet and, and how to communicate that to people so they can make their omelets, you know. Um, yeah. I just feel like we're constantly, you know, doing, um, you know, left, right, up, down, rather than down, up, right, left, as my uh, friend Kurt Thompson says, and you know, as a clinical mm -hmm. psychologist, you know, we don't learn things from an analytical side to the effective side, right side of the brain, yeah. and then down to the body. That's like enormously difficult. What we do mm -hmm. is, you know, when we're a baby, we, we, we come into the world and we start to touch and feel and taste and smell, right? And so it's bottom up and, and then our brain grows integrated type um, of, of, of at first the emotions, the affective grows, right? From our experience mm -hmm. of touch and taste and, and our attachment to our mothers and so forth. And then finally the language, you know, grows and the yeah. rational side grows. <laughs> we're reversing everything and in education in church we we yeah. don't you know we don't taste uh, the fruit first and and we say you know we argue over the recipes and say who's right which church is doing the right thing and i you know there's nothing with arguing but but it's, it's just like you know what i'm just saying you know what if we reversed you know like what is what is a good community look like how does it feel yeah. like what is a place that is filled with love look like is is there one in princeton area and and if if that's you know if that's not the church and but it's an aa meeting let's go there and find out what's yeah. happening how do we understand that better you know that's really lovely i there's again so much good stuff there it's talking about tasting and seeing you know to get the psalmist you know psalm 27 first peter talking about that exact approach and you know out of the abundance of christ's love you know when you think about the resurrection accounts like so many of them are our meals yes. jesus you know <laughs> sitting down and, and and i wonder you know just as you know we're talking about the conceiving of these things you know right side up and sort of an upside down kind of uh, yeah. perspective yeah. Um, and art is kind of a way into this right yeah, absolutely I'm saying like it's kind of like this. And you, you were talking earlier about how you, you're seeing a lot of these expressions outside of maybe something that would be nominally Christian. Right. Uh, what are some of those? Could you talk? Is, are we talking like Terrence Malick? Like, what are some of those well, encounters goes, you're having? Yeah, it goes even beyond uh, Terrence Malick. Um, it, it goes to Sundance. You know, at, at Oscars, wow. there was a documentary film that was nominated uh, called Crip Camp which is basically how uh, the um, the this this uh, disadvantaged communities um, you know really forced the powers to be to to enact their laws about uh, you know people who are disabled having access to buildings and workplaces and and churches and mm -hmm. and and how that came about because one feisty lawyer who was who grew up in crip camp who, who was a, who was disabled camp 
uh, at the right, right near Woodstock, uh, these volunteers, you know, this was not a Christian camp. This was, this was not anything but, you know, this ideal of, you know, liberal communities that, that are practicing what they preach, that to love your neighbor. And, and they created this uh, every summer, um, the only place where the dis, um, disadvantaged children could go to escape the summer heats of New York City was crib camp. And out of that came this, you know, transformation of how um, laws that were in effect signed into law was not being, you know, uh, carried out in building codes mm -hmm. and so forth. And these group of, um, you know, people who grew up in that camp who became lawyers and activists changed the world. Now you tell me, right? I, you know, is this a Christian film? No, absolutely not. You know, don't, don't go see it if you, if you think that that is that. Um, it's raw. It's it's um, it's sometimes you know uh, offensive, but there's the spirit in it. There, there's, there's the Holy Spirit in it working through people who may or may not be Christians. There's, there's an, and, and unfortunately, the church is not involved, right? Yeah. It, it, it's probably they were nominally involved in some cases, but most of the time they were not part of the action. And, and so that tells me that where is the Holy Spirit going in, in, in the history of, um, you know, uh, bringing justice to disadvantaged communities? The Holy Spirit went to this very, you know, left-leaning counselors who saw everybody as a human being, right? And Imago Dei, they, they practiced this without knowing the Bible. Perhaps they did, but, you know, this was mm -hmm. not emphasized. It's not a Christian camp again. And so I, I and, and every, you know, Sundance film, I see evidence of this. Now, mm -hmm. they may not be, you know, Christian films at all. They may even be right. atheist films, mm -hmm. but there's beauty built into the craft of making. And, and this year, of course, we have Minari that was um, yeah. made by Isaac Lee Chung, who is a believer, who mm -hmm. grew up in, in Windrider system, going to Sundance every year, dreaming someday that he would become a director. And of course, Brad Pitt's company, Plan B, which I love that name, Plan B, uh -huh. because he knew Brad Pitt read the script and knew that this would not be made by a major you know, um, movie company. So he funded it. And yeah, yeah. then the first Korean <laughs> actress, Yoon, you know, received the award from yeah. Brad Pitt, which was which was a great, great thing to see. So, so you see the Holy Spirit in in my mind, right? In mm -hmm. all of that working and outside of the Christian label, right? Yeah. And it is just as legitimate of a spiritual footprint because the Holy Spirit doesn't read labels. Just because we say we're a Christian plumber doesn't mean that the spirit is going to come. <laughs> you know, Christian music. Yeah, it, it's just the same marketplace, right? You have mm -hmm. to be a good plumber. You have to be a good musician to make it. And mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit comes when we are vulnerable and we are open to certainly spiritual things, but but when we are honest about our conditions, and and we have a community 
to to talk about that and we have forgiveness in that community toward each other and and um, you know uh, uh, this this ability to encourage which means to give courage to each other mm-hmm. that that is what the holy spirit you know so you know on sunday mornings i i'm convinced that a lot of the holy spirit you know when we're meeting in our churches our elders meetings you know always feels like <laughs> oh i much rather in that bar talking to you know these mm. two two guys who are who are weeping because of their their you know um experience or um backstages of broadway uh production mm-hmm where an actress is is utterly um, spent on, on on being ha- having hope and and struggling with despair and a friend comes and and weeps with her that that's what a spirit works um and you know so i i often think about you know what <laughs> what kind of a church can we be you know to, to yeah. think our broken hallelujahs to to be part of a communal whole you know that that to to honor the fragments of each other Mm -hmm. yeah and i i love the question that you ask in your book you know the first question you say that we should we should ask people as they walk into our church building is what did you make this week? yeah yeah (laughs) or what do you want to make yeah (laughs) yeah, or what do you want to make yeah and i I wonder if the church should see themselves as a resource center of you know what uh, whatever people say right i I want to cook an omelet i want to make a make photographs i want to be part of a community justice action i want to be marching out in the street uh, all mm-hmm. those things we should be saying okay here's here's resource for you you know have you thought right. about this have you you know and and then when we come together in worship we bring all these things that we want to make into the world but we can't you know mm-hmm. making is hard making is like i say making is impossible yeah. So let's let's just admit that and and help each other, you know, walk on water, because we we can't do this alone, and we need resources, we need people and wisdom on the past to to bear upon our desires. God gave us those desires, and and they're not vacuous, you know. That somebody may said that that's that's stupid, you know, don't don't do that, or you know, yeah. just just think of think of practical things, or you know, but but those 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 are not the voice of the spirit. Um, and and the church needs to be the first to say yes. You know, let's make it, and and we're gonna help you do that. We're gonna, you know, and we have some resources to share with you, so so it makes it one step easier for you. Yeah, it, Leslie Newbegin talks about you know that God is missional, and that to yes. to talk about oh the church needs to have a mission. It's like no, the church needs to join God the, yes. in on the mission that He's already on. And I, and I wonder as you're talking, the thing that that's sort of coming to my mind is how do we how do we hear the voice of god to be able to discern where the spirit might be moving and and also how do we empower people uh, there's a sense of agency there that you know i think especially uh, talking about artists yeah. artists have this kind of intuitive sense you described it even before you were christian just this sense of like yeah. i'm called to do this in the world but i think sometimes the divide we have between art and other things yeah. you know people are like well you know that's nice that you get to make art i'll do my you know, very pragmatic, yeah, uh, you know, I'll work at that career. I'll do the, the flying. Right. And so it's, it's that sense of like, how do we help people to maybe broaden their perspective? And I love how you use the word, the term making, yeah. um, which I think is so like so much more comprehensive. Right. Right. And, and, and 
you know, making can be replaced with the word work, you know, so yes, mind David Kim, who, who is our neighbor, um, you know, talks about that as work and faith. He said that my book was absolutely the best book on work and faith that he's read in recent times. And I yes. said, I want to write it for that reason. And he said, that's why. <laughs> so for the plumbers, the plumbers were mad at you, but everybody else was like, this is great. Because you can replace um, making, if you can replace work with making, work has kind of a negative connotation. Yeah. Right? result of the course or something which is not biblically true but that's how we look at it you know right. have to do it to pay rent or whatever but, but what are we making you know what are we making you know i, I ask all the time you know waiters that that are waiting on me in, in when we had restaurants open in new york city you know because they tend to be <laughs> honest right they're all theater people and um I, i'm like are you, are you you know waiting tables to pay rent or are you waiting tables to make art? And th those are fundamentally, it's the same thing. You work nine to five, you you know, the labor all day yeah. in a place that you don't wanna be necessarily. But if you're doing it for a purpose of, you know, coming home and writing a poem, painting that one painting or, you know, portion of a painting, or, or so that you, you can do your off-Broadway plays, that that is a worthy call you know to spend every day and what happens when you shift from oh i have to pay rent to oh my work is for making is is that our neurons start to change you know every day as we're working we may not be you know in the studio but we're already thinking about that stroke we're already thinking about that line of poetry we're already thinking about that line that we have to memorize those things are you know, fundamentally, um, something that we, we are tuned to, especially if you're an yeah, artist. Yeah. So it keeps you alive, you know, to do the drudgery of, of, of the day. And, you know, poets, by the way, like uh, T.S. Eliot, uh, Walter Stevens, uh, Dana Joya, they preferred to work, you know, with nine to five days to, to provide a consistent income so that they didn't have to worry about it. And, <laughs> and they were free to exercise their imagination during the time that was given to, to write their poems. Mm. I think that's such, especially as we're talking about a more comprehensive sense of what, what making and what art is, you know, for, for, the, for the lay person who says, I don't have an artistic bone in my body. But I want to serve. I want to serve the church. I want to serve the community that I'm placed in. That's such a powerful reframing yeah. of, of what the day to day looks like, right? Yeah, and the church is God's masterpiece. Church is God's. Yeah. Art. How do we see ourselves fit into that? You know, the, the yeah. jigsaw puzzle. Which piece are we? You know, I was I was uh, recently at a conference for Douglas Copeland for uh, you know his his thirtieth year of publishing Generation X, and uh, uh, you know in the typical inimitable way, you know Copeland said, you know we're we're all apps, you know, so kind of app, <laughs> you know, what are we making? You know? Yeah. And, and I yeah. love that. like if I was an app, what would it be? It would be an app to create. <laughs> to connect people to to told that right yeah 
And if my my wife Hajun has an app, it's it's for justice, it's for mercy, it's mm. for thinking about the the you know those who are less unfortunate, um, less fortunate. And and so those th those are things that you know I, I think fundamentally we we can think about. Everybody has something to provide. You know what what mm. app are you like? What do we provide? What service are you providing that people need? And, and just to connect the dots for everybody, because I think this is so important as to what you're talking about. It, we can reframe these things. You tell the story about the, the, the boy who builds the sandcastle. <laughs> and you talk about like, it's a beautiful story. Again, everybody needs to read this book anyway. But just talking about how the things that we do, you know, on this side of the, the, the kingdom come are not just, you know, trying to score points. To, yeah. So hopefully we can get there. You know, N.T. Wright talks about this. These yes. are building blocks. Yes. Every act of painting, of mercy, yes. of, you know, yes. of, of care is actually an expression of that new world. Yeah. And so when we start to reframe and expand yeah. our imaginations, yeah. then like those small acts of faithfulness actually become a, a hint and a signpost for that new yeah. world. And I think as you're describing, where do we start from? Yeah. That's such a better and more beautiful question and I, I just love how you're saying that because I, I do think there's this way of reframing art where it's like oh we're all artists and it's like actually not everybody can make <laughs> right. beautiful things in a culturally acceptable yeah. way yeah. but you know C.S. Lewis describes the woman in the great divorce this, yeah. this beautiful woman with this this yeah. parade around her and yeah. they describe her life and it's simple yeah. and I think that that's so so potent listening yeah. to that yeah and thank you and uh you know the reality of all of us being you know part of that grand narrative and 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 um, the beauty of each one of us though those of us who may not be professional artists like i am you know um it can be just as important uh, in God's plan, um, and you know that passage in *Surprised by Hope* by N.T. Wright, um, which I quote in the book, um, mm -hmm. is is a stunner. When you really think about what he's saying there, it changes everything. You know, it, yeah. it's about the new creation, and nothing is in vain. What <laughs> this is as hard as the resurrection itself to believe because we are living in new creation now and yeah, what we yeah. do matters on the other side of eternity there's a connection we don't understand what that that is but we we have to have faith that everything we do matters because not because we need credit for it but because god cares that much that's that's why the incarnation god's son being sent to us to be utterly dependent on human beings to you know survive right as a babe yeah uh, that 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 is the the reality of the risk that god took to to transgress mm -hmm. against every normative structures that that can ever be you know thought of as a human being that yeah. this this is the you know the great conspiracy and 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 somehow god has made it so that we can be part of it all of us can be part of it and and that that's really really uh, uh, stunning and you know when i asked 
Tom to write the forward. I was expecting a paragraph. And of course, he sent a whole treatise, <laughs> you know, which is you know, worth the book price of the book itself. Um, because he, you know, I give that forward uh, to read to artists. And every time they weep, because they never heard somebody like Tom Wright, you know, a pastor say that to them. Like it's what so doing matters. You're like the spy in the land. You know, you're going ahead of, and you come back to the church and you tell them what you saw, and the church doesn't believe you. You know, sometimes you get rejected. You know, yeah, black. yeah. You know, we're black. You know, uh, <laughs> sit in the back, right? Doesn't mean that God doesn't see that. That doesn't mean that what you're doing matters. What you're doing is profoundly essential and central to God's plan. And, and you describe that so well in the book of talking about how many people like that we revere as like seminal weren't, you know, Emily Dickinson, you know, yes. we're, we're not just not welcomed in their time. We're seen as, you know, super weird. Right. You're, so you have that sense of that. And I want to take it back to that, that sense of trauma. One of the one of those moving things, and I, I'm a biblical studies, like I, you know, I do hermeneutics and exegesis. This is what I do. Yeah. And reading your work, the first time I was introduced to your work was in an anthology. Uh, Andy Crouch was was oh. quoting you talking about Genesis two. Yes, <laughs> and he was talking about you know minerals and all this stuff in 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 the you know the first Eden being excavated, and I was like, what on earth? And that that just blew me away. But but the the, the one that landed upon me in such a heavy and, and beautiful way was was your reflections on the the tears of Jesus, and I know you've written extensively on that in different spaces and you're talking about trauma you talk about artists and you know 2020 into 2021 as we've discussed has been such a a time of grieving and there, there's there's big griefs and there's small griefs and i actually don't think there's a necessary distinction between those at times i think we're grieving lost time lost experiences with others some many of us are grieving lost loved ones and you think about like what the church is called to and reflecting jesus's you know creative his his loving extravagance and the extravagance of those tears as you describe um how do you see us as a people and this is you know a broad category but how do we begin to you know both enter in in the way that jesus does at at bethany and then what what do we begin to make out of that experience of profound loss and grief how have you been thinking about that wow that's 15 years in Lenten season, I've been meditating on John 11, 35, which are just Jesus wept. Yeah. Um, I always think that maybe next year I'll pick something else, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and then this year came and of course I had to go back to John 11, 35 because of the pandemic and all that we lost and grieving over um, and you know that is a journey um, that uh, we we all of us are on you know there's not a single person on this earth alive today that has not been affected by this virus that is a remarkable statement to make i don't know if there's any time in history you know other than perhaps the the, the black death uh plague um where that was universally true. You know, I, I was a ground zero resident in 9-11. I lived three blocks away. My children grew up as ground zero children. And I 
went through that trauma and continue to go through the residual effect of that trauma. Um, and, um, but that was isolated, you know, that I was isolated to DC here, you know, and, and uh, you know, Pennsylvania and other places, but that kind of trauma, even though this is a natural disaster really, um, is spread to every single person, you know, in, so everybody in 2021 uh, is, is a survivor. And we're gonna have all the psychological um, effect of that survivor's guilt, everything. It's gonna come hit us in about, you know, six months from now when we think we're done, we're, we're over, we're, we've gotten over it. And you, you as a pastor will have to, tend to that um, you know many many years later it's gonna it's mm. gonna come up so what does it mean to stay with Jesus tears uh, for us which is utterly unnecessary Jesus tears were not necessary yeah. he's going to the grave to resurrect Lazarus so why did he waste time with Mary weeping well all he had to do was take by her, you know, her by the hand yeah. and go over to the grave and say, Lazarus, come out. And turn to Mary and say, You little faith, you know, you should have trusted yeah. my word. I, I intentionally delayed my coming so that you, you know, you will see the power of God, the glory of God manifested in your love, you know, brother. Mm -hmm. Then do that. <laughs> so, right. No, he doesn't. No. So why? 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 You know, and and the the thing that I keep coming back to is I'm an artist and I deal with what you know what is useless what is un unessential you know artist is not on that list of COVID you know they should just spread it up like two years from now you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, but uh, but you know we're not about that and that praise God for that, because I, I think that's the glory of it. That's the essence of art is that it stands in a place where, you know, what it, something that is useful and efficient and something that can fix the problem cannot address. It stands in that place where Mary wept angry at, at her God for not coming when she needed him to. It stands in a place where the mystery of God's presence right next to us doesn't seem to be comforting. And yet it is the most powerful reality, right? So Mary gets this in ways that I don't think disciples got at that time. And yeah. the reason why, um, you know, her act of, uh, bringing her wedding nod to Jesus in John 12, anointing Jesus, um, you know, while her brother is sitting there reclining at the table. Mm -hmm. out Jesus. It is so important. And, and that act is, is, is included in all four of the Gospels, if not married by somebody else, that, that sense mm -hmm. of extravagance, that sense of useless extravagance, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 I talk about this in the book, but the Mary, uh, the Marys of the world are the ones that anoint the anoint the Savior to be a king, and Jesus goes to the cross, and because he's arrested in Gethsemane and brought into trial 
inside of Jerusalem, he doesn't get to cleanse himself for the first time in his life. And her wedding nod is still with him all the way to the cross. It is the only earthly possession mm -hmm. that he brought to the cross. Mm. Centurion poking his side with a spear would have whiffed this wedding nod and must have asked, what wedding? Mm. We know what wedding. We know that yeah. cosmic wedding is coming. We know that the feast is coming. We are invited to it as, as followers of Christ. We know that that extravagant act becomes permanently etched into the, the, the story, the gospel. Jesus asks us, never forget this nod, <laughs> this act, mm -hmm. because she has done a beautiful thing to me. And whatever she's, you know, whenever the gospel is told, what she has done will also be told mm -hmm. in Mark 14. And that means <laughs> the question to us as a church is, how are we doing that? Do you detect the aroma of this extravagant wedding nod every time we preach the gospel, every time we worship? Where is that extravagance? Where is that useless mm. extravagance that the world said, what are you doing? You know, like, why are you paying attention to, to the poor? Why are you attention to paying attention to people who cannot help you with your resume? Why, why are you stopping and wasting time with your children? we have an answer for it and we don't yeah. you know we, we don't have to justify it we can just point to that passage and say look this is why we follow christ mm. because jesus is not just our savior but he is our friend and he's not going to idly stand by while we are suffering he's not going to you know just just fix the problem because he cares about us and he wants us he wants us to know that God's presence through his tears is still here, physically yeah. here. You know, I talk about that in the book. I mean, yes, Jesus, that is a stunning dis disappear. It's in it's in every, you know, raindrop that we experience during the pandemic. Jesus yeah. is still present in his tears. His DNA, you know, just like the fishes and loaves mm -hmm. would have multiplied. And now it's 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 given us a blanket of tears in 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 the time of pandemic that we can be sure that Jesus is not aloof, is not an angry God that is aloof judging the world. No, this is this is the presence of God in the midst of suffering, and we are to respond by saying, "How can we reach out to those who?" you know, do not have the vaccination, do not have the resources that we do. You know, uh, how, how are we to act after this pandemic? Well, hopefully, we can be with people and forgetting about a resume building, forgetting about getting a car in the garage next, you know, next year, we, we should be able to think about the world differently now. Mm. Mako, I cannot uh, thank you enough, and that, that that's just such a stunning place. I think to to yeah. to end this. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I mean, that that to me, I I, I was physically overwhelmed by what you were saying there, and just I, I think there's so much to think about as to who we are to be. But that's well, just that, that's so beautiful. Yeah, thank you for this conversation. I I hope we can continue, and uh, yeah, do uh, check out Mopath Contemporary and yes. All 
in May. Um, it, um, it's going to be, you know, limited in terms of numbers inside, yeah. but there are um, ways to look at the art. And, and it's a wonderful community. Talk about a culture care ecosystem. You know, this is a gallery that uh, Ruth Mopath is, is a, a Mike there that works there is uh, to me, they're like family, you know, of cultural care family, and they they so understand what it means to take care of artists and and try to survive as a you know as a business in in all of that. So please support them. That's so beautiful, and we'll link to the book uh, 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 "Theology of Making." Uh, so I have it right here, so "Art and Faith: Theology of Making," incredible yeah. book, and we'll link to Byron Borger's store. Okay. Um, try to okay. yeah. we'll circumvent the Amazon beast. Anybody can find it on there. Let's support so, yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, Mako, I, I just can't thank you enough for your time. And uh, just for that incredible reflection, I, I'm just going to be thinking about that for thank you. a long time. <laughs>